see how I'm doing and everything, you know. Uh, <laughs> um, no. Oh, well, I guess, yeah, we can't do that now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I've already started. I'm kidding. Um, yeah. Because I want to start off with something that I think you're going to handle adeptly, okay? But it is a question mm. and a thing I think we both have to wrestle with because I'm coming at it uh, struggling with something we've talked about before. All right, so let me put it. Let me put it forward to you. I I think that we've talked about with Shakespeare and with Joyce how school and and certain people put a weightiness to the the work of of these people who are great writers that discourage people from attempting to read them. Okay, and that's just a yeah. fact. Okay, and I I mean I think if you were to quiz most people about whether they read Shakespeare or James Joyce. That would come up as probably the main reason, wouldn't you say, that um, it's too difficult? Or I, I, Yeah, either that they, they either consciously or unconsciously, they don't think of it as something to do for fun. Okay. Very serious. It's very, yeah. very important. Very serious. Very serious and very important. But there, yeah. is, there is something to it in this, in this sense, especially after having read Chapter 5, okay? Which I have to, I want to confess to you because... Um, I want to see what you say to this, uh, which, again, we've discussed. And I do agree with that point of view. But I think there's a merit to how people feel uh, in relation to these great works, which is a sense of inadequacy, which having read Chapter 5, I personally feel. And I've had that with other things. And I thought of an example, which was uh, from high school, when we read East of Eden. And I think you've probably read that by John Steinbeck. Yeah. And I remember having finished East of Eden when I was uh, when I was in high school and thinking, you know, there like there's something beyond me about this book that I can't appreciate. You know, that I have to. In other words, I've mm. thought about it since high school, and I want to reread that book. And I know if I reread it, it will be I'll be informed by my first reading. You know, and I'll have memories of the phrases I underline and what I remember about the plot and everything. And I'll get I'll get more out of it by rereading it. So maybe that's yeah. the answer to my question about the fact that maybe reading is something that is is ultimately very difficult when you're talking about very important works. But that's I mean, a second. Maybe is, is, is that a second? And playful at the same time. Okay, let me finish because my question to you is: Is that a secondary? Wake, we'll talk about that. Is that a secondary? Sorry. Is that a secondary concern then to the fun you're supposed to have when you read? Am I just supposed uh, to I don't accept? Think it's necessarily secondary. Um, I think. I mean, uh, for me, the difficulty, and yeah, the the kind of reaching beyond yourself that uh, certain works force you to do. Uh, I mean, that is like part of the fun, hypothetically. Mm. Um, you know, expanding yourself. Uh, right. You know, a certain like like no, I, you can't really read Hamlet and not you know, have your soul expand a little bit. Mm. Um, and yeah, I don't think it's necessarily different or, uh, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily different. It's certainly not, um, exclusive from still coming at it more playfully and, uh, just have it. Yeah. It can be fun and difficult, I guess is what I'm saying. I agree with that. I do. But I, in other words, I don't I, – I just – I agree with people who avoid it that it is difficult, you know. Yeah. So what, what I mean by secondary more is thinking about Shakespeare, for example. When you think about the, the primary point of the play 
the reason he wrote the play, you would say, I think if you were to, if you were to um, hazard an answer to that, is to to entertain people, right? So there is no difficulty in in sitting in an audience and enjoying a play. If you think about it that way, you may not understand every nuance of the intelligence of the writer, but uh, but maybe the the fun of that comes with the the um, experience of rereading and and rewatching. Um, Anyway, it just I just thought chapter five was was frankly like I'll have to reread it. I mean, it was just okay. What the my 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 conclusion was what the hell was that? You know, that was my that was my summary after I finished it, and uh, I just well, wanted to. We can. Yeah, I wanted a little bit more. Okay, I just wanted to start with that admission because I know that's something we talk about a lot. So yeah. Okay. Wow, it's quite a chapter, you have to admit. It's uh, longer than any of the other ones, right? Definitely longer. Um, and and again, we talked uh, about this. We talked about this last episode. It gets more and more abstract, I would say, which makes sense. Like you said last yeah. episode, where his intel, his experience of of. Uh, of realizing his place in the world would become more abstract as he ages, as it does, right. you would say, for all of us, right? For people. To an extent. Yeah. Different degrees for different college, people. At universities, like Queens, or some, some, I forget what it, what it is, university was called, I could look it up in a second. Uh, like University College Dublin or something, the Jesuit, camp, Jesuit school. Yeah, he's fucking hella Jesuit, this chapter. <laughs> um, University College. There we go. Is that what it's called? Yeah. i tell you one thing. He, he does not forget the goddamn water he's experienced in uh, his schooling. Oh, yeah. He always... It's that, so uh, depressing. I have that underlined, too. Yeah. Turf-colored water of the bath in Congloas, my note, a fucking again with the water. The turf-colored yeah, water, again, just, yeah. Keep probably returning the, uh, you know, some of the words, like moist and, and, and words like that, uh, keep returning, <laughs> but yeah, that freaking image of the turf-colored water. Oh, boy. Um... Yeah, I, I'm sure that's been mentioned in all of these. Maybe not chapter three, I forget. Uh, but yeah, it's just coming back and coming back. And characters come back, like, um, not literally, but like, uh, would you be shocked if I said that there's, if I, if I draw a, a connection between Heron, the, uh, schoolboy chum slash rival, and like McCann or even Cranley and Lynch? Um, certainly McCann, <laughs> maybe like Temple. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I think that even, even characters beyond Steven, um, kind of get recycled again and again, even in, you know, different bodies and different names, but they kind of each play a, play a, a, a role that, um, yeah, some other people take up in different chapters. Um, but it's like, the role in the case of McCann slash Heron, the role of the schoolie rival guy whom he, Stephen gets into taunting fights with. 
Um, if I had to come up with like a like a topic or a theme or something for this chapter, it's uh, I mean we talk yeah they keep talking about like uh, his aesthetic ideas, um, and mm-hmm. so as just as like chapter three was like the retreat and talking and, and so many words spilled about or, or so much ink spilled about um, you know the dogma of like the Catholic tradition. Um, this is kind of like, uh, his own now, now he's kind of like giving his own, I, I mean, almost like sermonical, almost, almost sermonish, uh, kind of formula, formulae, formulas, uh, about art and, 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 um, yeah, the, the, the aesthetic question or however they keep putting it. Uh, the dean of studies, at, it's like going around. I, I, I mean, our, our our university experience is so different than this. But like <laughs> the idea that like people are whispering behind his back, like like gossiping, like fucking Stevens about to have a have a give us an essay about the aesthetic question. <laughs> um, <laughs> but my experience. did it not ring? Did it not ring very uh, similar to the? Uh, what word am I looking for? I mean, the conversations between all the pals seem very real to me. Mm-hmm. Even in relation uh, to I'm my not own saying that I was, Yeah, but I'm, I'm just saying that, like... Uh, what, are you t- what are you talking about? The like death of the a, thinking? A weird, like... A, a weird, like, topic of... Like, like, like uh, that, that people would be talking about. Yeah. Even thinking about aesthetics. Well, he's obviously like a very student. he's obviously a very uh uh striking personality to most people. Mm-hmm. You know? He's got that uh ash plant um that will be uh, something he keeps until Ulysses at least that walking stick. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think, um, he would definitely stick out. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, yeah. it's in a university is preparing people to become typical lawyers and stuff. This is an interesting thing that, um, that I noticed where if you're reading this and you're, you're, you're reading it like Stephen is the author, which is interesting in and of itself. And he's very, uh, he's, he, I mean, he, by the end he becomes, it's just his journal. Right. It's just his journal. But, but but what I wanted to point out was he's very open about what I would consider to be flaws in his character or flaws at least in in um in being a likable person, which he's open about. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I find that interesting because be rude and- you would think if you were writing a book by yourself, you know, you might you might elide some of the things that yourself. that would that would come off as uh arrogant or annoying or something. But um but yeah, he he's obviously someone that people have taken notice of and he's he he seems to input himself into everything, you know. Like when he's walking around and in that that scene where they're signing the pledge for world peace or whatever. It's like why why would they particularly in you know, like note Stephen or whether or not Stevie yeah. signs on. It's clear that he is you know, someone they are aware of or who they've they've had mm-hmm. prolonged discussions with. Let's start at the beginning to ground to ground people in if they're listening to this because I've kind of made a mess of 
of that. Um, basically, like you said, he's in college. He's in university, I suppose. He's graduated and he's gone to this place uh, for higher study. Yeah. And in the beginning, he's at his house. Catholic university in Dublin, right. not Trinity, which is, I think, Protestant. Mostly because he's from a Catholic family, right? In, in other words... Um, yeah. Wilde went to what's called Trinity College, which he walked by. Which is right, and he disparages more like that's more English, right? Well, yeah, certainly more English. I mean, Wilde was like a landholder; he was a landlord, or his family was. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, because it's more English, there were more you know resources given to it. It's kind of like the more slightly more prestigious of the of the Dublin schools. Mm-hmm. It, which is weird because if you're thinking about Ireland, you do think about Catholicism. So the nuances of understanding the 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 fact that they were a um, a province of of England, I guess, which is Protestant at this point, that's an interesting thing that I think you miss if you don't know the history or if you don't if you're not from there, you know, because. Yeah, if you're not worried about the the imperialism. Because nowadays, I mean, as much as we have division, it's not like it's not like most Catholics and Protestants walk around hating each other, you know. So it's hard to uh, ever since uh, to relate to. Wasn't it like 1960 when the Catholics decided that Protestants weren't going to hell? <laughs> I have no. It idea. wasn't that long ago. Well, I, mean, I don't think Protestants have changed too. their mind about Catholics, but it's not it's not um it's it's not like a, well, Protestants a hateful used to thing. Be more, used to be a little bit more uh generally uh, a little bit more fired up about, about Catholics. Right. Um anyway, I sorry. I feel like I'm meandering, but but I want to make the point that he's at home at the beginning because the last chapter mm-hmm. he was at home and had this idyllic situation with his uh, his his siblings were singing like this folk song or something oh, like that. Oh yeah. And now the question is is your lazy bitch of a brother gone out yet? You know, that was such a striking difference mm-hmm. between the last chapter and this one. Because I think, you know, his character has developed or his personality or his 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 inv- individualism has developed further at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, that that has become obvious to both his mother, father, and uh, yeah. siblings. Everybody, <laughs> right? And he doesn't seem that particularly uh, uh, concerned with being late to school. So basically, no. he's he's headed to school. Been there, bro. <laughs> I thought of you, kind of, because of our uh, at least the ending <laughs> of our college. Our college experience was like, you know, what time is it? Oh, let's go get breakfast, and um, yeah. I I I thought occasionally of you. be on time for class. <laughs> I thought of you, um, and your attitude. Yeah, which made made total sense by senior year, but um. Oh yeah, certainly. <laughs> I mean, no one even. I, I, I think you were graduated no by junior year, asked. right? Basically. Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, and no one's ever even asked me about my like GPA or anything. So. Oh god, I know. But, but no, it's never come up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an interesting point. Uh, like, um, it, yeah, the reality of life is 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 so different from what they they tell you. I remember being in middle school and they told me my grades would matter. You know, yeah, like, you thought the permanent record. I don't think middle like school college. matters at all. I mean, I don't think it matters one bit. I, I I don't think it matters like at all. I I can't even think of one difference between getting a D <laughs> in eighth grade and getting an A. I mean, I made A's, but. Wow, they scared the hell out of me <laughs> for no reason. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, so it, let's so he goes to he goes to university, and 
I think I think the most uh, important thing to get through about that is he he runs into the the professor before before the class begins for one of his classes. Right, the dean of something. I, I I got confused because I thought it was art, and then it turned out to be sort of a lecture on science more. But right, it was a physics. Well, arts. Arts um, was. Opposed, I know. figured it was a language yeah. barrier between me and that that century, you know, because. Yeah. Yeah, it was like it was something about arts, and then the guy was talking about coils and how they <laughs> have heat in right. them and so forth. Um, but but it the was natural it, philosophy, I guess. Basically, he missed he missed his first class or one of his classes, and he goes Two into classes. this. He goes into what I imagine English and French. Okay, missed English and French physics class. And I imagined it being kind of an auditorium. You remember we had that big English mm-hmm. kind of one-on-one auditorium with uh, with Barber, and so well, I had Barber for anyway. It doesn't yeah, matter. I, but yeah, I, my, I point, of, uh, my point is Greenlaw. a big auditorium. I had plenty of big classes. Yeah, I thought I thought of Greenlaw. Uh, we didn't have like levels. They have like. Uh, do you mean? What do yeah, you mean by levels? I mean it's 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 more like a. Like a theater, almost. Yeah, I thought of a theater um, with a fire. A theater, but the difference mm-hmm. is they have a fire. <laughs> yeah, which apparently, uh, what's his face is very good at lighting. Yeah, what's his face being the professor slash priest who is apparently English and has converted to Catholicism, right? Right. Well, uh, Stephen kind of muses on that because i mean an english person being a catholic uh wasn't unheard of no not at all you know, well that was now, the official faith right for, for a while and then it became yeah. <laughs> but i mean uh in like yeah right in, in, but at in, this in time. The, the most protestant centuries uh you know 1600 to 1700 or something it could have been a bit uh lazy um Supposedly what? during Shakespeare's day, people were, you know, hiding. Right. They, they had like, uh, they, there would be, because I mean, some of like the aristocratic families even were Catholic. So they'd have like hideaways and, and secret ch- tunnels to get, like leave if they ever get prosecuted again. Persecuted again. Mm. So. But now I think it's probably eased up a bit in England even. Right, I think the official laws are still there, but they don't they don't follow them. You know, like you're not allowed to marry a, a Catholic or something like that. I, oh, really? I well, didn't know that. I think a royal family isn't allowed to technically, but I think oh. technically they're not allowed to do a lot of things that they do. So, um, anyway, so he has this this conversation with uh, the professor, which is pretty revealing because, well, I guess revealing in the sense of Stephen's development. As a personality, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's definitely um, uh, the, the the phrase Richard Allman uses individuation. Okay. Um, if, if, if the book is about gestation into, from, mm. I mean, at the beginning, he's just you know how how different are four year olds from each other. Um, yeah, it's a good word. But yeah, by now he's definitely had a yeah a developed definitely um, become more of a specific individual and one word i wrote down one word i wrote down which applies both to steven and a few of his comrades here that he has um discussions or arguments with is confidence because i think steven is a very confident person and um 
So yeah. are so are some of his friends, and some of his, some of his friends lack that. I think, and that's important to um, yeah. That's important to his development, but it's related very much to his individuation, like you said, and his gestation. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what do you okay? What do you have to say about the conversation with the priest slash professor? Uh, I don't have much underlined. I did underline a line. He says the object of the artist is. This is the uh, the dean. The object of the artist is the creation of the beautiful, which is almost a line from Wild, that just chunked up and said much much worse. Uh, the artist is the creator of the beautiful, as opposed to <laughs> the object of the artist is the creation of the beautiful. Um, that's yeah. The, the I think that's from the preface to Dorian Gray. Um, yeah, I, 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 there's the, the the interesting stuff that I have underlined, or the stuff I have underlined, um, when he's talking about the tunster, the funnel, or the whatever he calls it, the tundish, better word. Um, and then he thinks to himself, so yeah, the uh, dean calls like whatever they, however they pour the oil into the lamp, the funnel, and. Um, yeah, uh, Stephen thinks that it's called the tundish. Um, and then he says, the language in which we are speaking is his, yeah. is what he's thinking, Stephen, is his before it's mine. How different are the words home, Christ, ale, master? On, the li- on his lips and on mine, I cannot speak or write these words without unrest of spirit. His language, so familiar and so foreign, will always be for me an acquired speech. I have not made or accepted its words. My voice holds them at bay. My soul frets in the shadow of his language. Um, and this is something Joyce always felt like he was speaking a foreign tongue. Mm-hmm. He was speaking English. Notably, I don't think he ever really knew Irish. Um, and here in this chapter, uh, he quit Irish lessons quickly because of uh, other <laughs> other issues. <laughs> because his the girl he likes is talking to the priest. Um, but yeah, I don't think he ever really knew Irish terribly well. Um, but yeah, even even when he was writing, you know, this and Ulysses and Dubliners, um, he certainly felt the. Um, yeah, I mean, I think anybody who writes English, we've talked before about how I think it's just the worst fucking language. <laughs> so I mean, on the one hand, everybody who writes English is just dealing with this wretched useful practical oh, well. language it's just terrible and unpoetic <laughs> I, I don't agree um, but yes you have said that before <laughs> <laughs> well i mean like like read a poem in italian and then right. read even like well i don't have that experience yeah, I, I agree mean, yeah all the words rhyme organically it's mm-hmm. like um uh there are yeah there's just so much more molecules so, so everything is just so much more these honeyed musical languages as opposed to fucking English, which is just a horrible mishmash. Um, and on top of that, he has the angst of uh, the fact that, yeah, Irish was taken from them. Um, yeah, Irish was, was outlawed, even. Um, yeah, there's the, the colo- I mean, they're white people, so we don't think of the Irish as or I, I guess people don't think of the Irish as a colonially oppressed people, but they, I mean, the English practiced with the Irish before they 
you know, spread that shit around the world. Um, they practiced genocide against the Irish before they did it to the Indians and stuff. Mm. Um, so yeah, <laughs> uh, it's always it's always a foreign language, and it's the language of the oppressor. Um, that was interesting to me. He doesn't really get much into his aesthetic theory terribly much yet, right? No. So I want to bring up that in this conversation, what struck me was that Stephen is, is very bitter. He's a bitter person. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think that stands out. You know, he, when he says that on my page 204, his courtesy of manner rang a little false. He gets very defensive about that Irish term, you know, and he starts to sense that he feels like the priest who I, I, I feel like was um, kind of trying to encourage Stephen a little bit, but but maybe not connecting with Stephen, maybe. you know, in a way that. Oh, yeah, not at all. Yeah, that that Stephen appreciated because Stephen was probably beyond him in the way he was thinking and so forth. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so there's words like like there's there's a, a line where he says a desolating pity began to fall like a dew upon his easily embittered heart. And things like that that um, yeah. that show, I think, a change in Stephen from from being an innocent little boy to to, to becoming a bitter. Oh yeah, compare person. this to when he's like shaking with fear about going to talk to the the rector the head, at his yeah, original school. school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now he's like, this guy's a dumb dumb. But but that that also comes back to being very impatient with people he doesn't think is are um, sincere, which I can relate to. I mean, yeah, I relate to that very highly because I think that's one of the problems with a lot of people today who are you know very disingenuous people. You're trying to yeah. have a conversation with, and it's like, what's the point? I mean, what is the point? <laughs> you know, that's the sense I got of Stephen. Sure. Um, yeah. He's, yeah, he, he knows that he's not going to uh, have anything illuminated for him in this conversation. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, good way of thinking about it. And that was the same professor, right, that teaches the class directly after. I hope that that's the no. Case. That was the it's uh, not okay. So he physics professor. Okay, so this guy was just starting the fire. I guess. I I, I guess I yeah. got okay. Okay, all right. Yeah, I guess that was yeah. Uh, sorry to explain the, the the listener. He he's starting a fire in the the theater in which they're going to have the physics uh, class. So fire, which may or may not be beautiful. <laughs> All right, so let's move on. We're we're at about we're about thirty minutes in here, and um, there's okay. a lot there's a lot to get to, which we can we can make it longer. But you know, basically he's kind of skim. Some of this isn't super necessary, <laughs> like. Yeah, he has this interaction with this guy McCann, who's trying to—he's this uh, political idealist um, who's trying to get people to sign up for international peace. Somehow related to the Czar of Russia. Yeah, that's um, new. That's a new I one on me. Terribly worried about <laughs> uncoiling that uh, moment when apparently there was a uh, yeah some 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 idealistic idea of. Uh, the Tsar of Russia <laughs> bringing about world peace or being connected to world peace. Um, sure. <laughs> um, it was. Yeah, then, it was. It was a weird. That that is a weird uh, origination. Yeah, the weird, 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 weird 
weird like picture, weird freeze frame. Um, yeah, let's, let's go to when he talks to like Davin and the athletes, the kind of simple athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do you get the yeah, sense that Stephen a national? Okay, Davin's a nationalist. More but do you, simple nationalist. Do you get the sense that Stephen is attempting? to have a relationship with these boys or do you think it's more because we'll get we'll, we'll we'll talk about his definition of of art and what the artist is in relation to art which you mentioned actually last episode if you remember you mentioned how his definition oh. involves uh being sort of a godlike a god yeah yeah person remote from the art sort of very flibertian yeah, and that that is a feeling you get where it's almost like he's cold towards these men and the way he's re- responding to them mm-hmm. and thinking about them. Um, that came across You're with a Davin. man, Stevie said Davin, taking the short <laughs> pipe from his mouth, always alone. Always alone. Um, yeah. So, he, I mean, here we have dramatized what I keep saying about, like, he, he wants to be alone. He wants, he's, like, searching out for exile. But he also is searching out confidants at the same time. Um, he's okay. not, I mean, he could just be writing in his journal the whole time about his, you know, so, writing, or we could see his essay on aesthetics where he goes through the three different kinds of art that emanate from the mm-hmm. whatever boring Jesuit shit he says. Um, but no, he's like talking to, to people, talking to Lynch and Cranley. Do you think Lynch um, then was his was his confidant? That was his his guy that that listened to him, and Davin like was an attempted confidant. Was, um, but Davin was not more here, but the, some converse, conversation they had before. But Davin was more an aborted confidant than Lynch. And Lynch at yeah, least set through some kind of, of it. like a, he's more of like a symbol of uh, actual Ireland, mm. especially in connection to that uh, the the lady the the milk milk jug lady. Mm-hmm. Like a simpler, um, more honest, more um, Irish Ireland, rustic Ireland. Um, he says, "Ireland first, Stevie. You can be a poet or mystic after." Yeah, and I, you know, Stephen. Well, he might be a Fenian, which is more power to him. Stephen has has all these complicated answers about the soul and what Ireland yeah. is and everything. He's like, "That's a bu- <laughs> that's that's beyond me." Oh yeah. yeah. Like, I don't get it. The soul is born, he said vaguely. First in those moments, I told you of. Um, it has a slow and dark birth, birth. Again, like, think of the fetus. Think of all the dark bog water, the turf-colored water we've been swimming through in the first few chapters. Yeah. More mysterious than the birth of the body, when the soul of a man is born in this country, there are... Okay, so there, there you have first gestation, but um, more specifically... When the soul of a man is born in this country, there are nets uh, flung at it to hold it back from flight. You talk to me of nationality, language, religion. I shall try to fly by these nets. Those nets. Um, so yeah, this is leading up to in Ulysses where he says history is a nightmare from which I'm trying to, to wake up. All right, well, and Davin's response is, too deep for me, Stevie, but a man's country comes first. <laughs> Which, like you said, yeah. he's he's honest and a simple, sort of straightforward guy, maybe representing yeah. Ireland, but um, although not only just like an ideogram for Ireland that would be boring. Mm-hmm. Well, he's uh, able to. Talk to Lynch. 
Yeah, he talks to Lynch. But I want to say Davin and these other guys are able to enjoy themselves, I think, more than Steven. You know? Yeah. Because they're not wrapped up in... They're not wrapped up in being um, principled and so forth. Um, Yeah, Davin seems like he'd be having fun a lot. He's an athlete, so... Have fun playing whatever handball or whatever games they would play in 1899 or 1902 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Lynch, I like Lynch a lot. Lynch is delightful. He he actually indulges Stephen. Yeah. And there's a long section where Stephen is sort of defining things to Lynch. Like you said, again, basically, he's he's again reiterating what they've already discussed. Pity um, is the feeling which arrests the mind and the presence of whatever whatsoever is great and constant in human so- <laughs> Oh, my God. He's <laughs> such a Jesuit. Like Cranley says, he's jammed full of uh, the religion he doesn't believe in. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, and that that's later on. He has a conversation with uh, Cranley, which reiterates that. Um, yeah. Okay, so... So, so you you think it's boring his whole his whole spiel about the definition? Is it meant to be boring or is it meant to be serious? Do you know from uh, Joyce's point of view? I mean, I think I think it's a little bit of both. Okay. Um, uh, the the main thing that serves for me and in, in the novel, or the main purpose that serves for me in the novel is yeah, like you were saying, kind of uh, Stephen accomplishing selfhood. Um, but yeah, the proper, improper, aesthetic means these, yeah. Um, I mean, in general, art is like sex or politics. Why talk about it when you can do it mm-hmm. uh, to me? But yeah, the way he talks about it, certainly. Um, Beauty expressed by the artist cannot awaken in, it, in us an emotion which is kinetic or a sensation which is purely physical. It awakens or ought to awaken. I mean, not only is this Jesuitical in the way it's written, but that kind of rejection of the body, that kind of um, that kind of hierarchy. Uh, <laughs> we don't need to go back into mind-body dualism and issues arising from that. Um, but yeah, this is very like Neoplatonist kind of. Um, he, he imagines beauty and and proper aesthetics as like a static thing um kind of like static feeling maybe like oceanic feeling um as opposed to uh kinetic bodily um movement towards or away or, or repelling away from something um which there are those of us who would think that any kind of uh any kind of arrows is is is, is inherently bodily um yeah, yeah. So not just not just because he's being boring and lecturing and being like overly precise, is he being Jesuitical? I think. So can like, can the I, way can, he's thinking is also Jesuitical. Okay, so could you conclude by reading this that this is what he thought of in whatever time, nineteen fourteen or whatever it was published? That's what he thought. Is that accurate? Uh, well, I would say this is more probably more closely aligned with whatever Joyce was thinking in 1902 when he was graduating university. Okay. And this is him in 1914 writing that. Okay. Or, you know, whenever. Well, let me read, let me read the, the, the part about where he talks about the artist being like God. He says the artist, like the God of the creation remains within or beyond uh, or behind or beyond or above his handiwork, invisible, refined out of existence and different pairing Mm -hmm. his fingernails. 
And again, yeah. the, the indifference of Stephen throughout the, the, uh, the book about people he's interacting with, except for in fleeting moments, like with his mother, you know, yeah. sometimes it feels like he cares and then he gets beyond that. And it's like, it is sort of, um, it's an unnatural a crush on. And the, yeah, we got to talk about Amelia, whatever her name is. Um, yeah, we'll get to her. Okay. Uh, be more. Yeah, it's almost, I don't want to say inhuman, but it's almost... Um, it, yeah, it, there's definitely something inhuman. I would say inhuman. Okay, it takes... <laughs> I need to walk that back. This, this is even more pronounced. I, I, I keep talking about Flaubert because Joyce is just, like, better Flaubert. Do you um, think... Do you think in, in, in plenty of ways. Do you, you think... Know, there's, there's something... Flaubert talked about, like, hating humans, <laughs> like, hating the world. He hated everything. Um and a lot of Flaubertian, like the Flaubert uh, thoughts on style, would infect Joyce's thinking. I mean, mm-hmm. even even something he says in here is is, is taken from Flaubert's letters. Okay, I forget which when we get there. Um, but yeah, this this I forgot. It's ironic because I was just reading uh, uh, Virginia Woolf's letter where she was writing when she was writing Jacob's Room, which is not a great novel. Um, but she was talking about like uh, trying to excise herself from the text, excise her writerly self from the text, um, and just let the events and just like the the sensations um, take over. And she talked about Joyce as somebody who was like working in the same kind of stream of consciousness style, but or, or yeah, this, 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 kind of a similar modernish style. Um, but she thought that Joyce was like. There was too much Joyce. There was too much Joycean personality in Portrait of the Artist um, as a young man. Which, so she was writing before Ulysses came out, even, um, and she thought that yeah, there was like Joyce is like all over this. Did she know him um, personally? Part of that I think is because it's no. Okay. Um, at least not not at this point. Um, and so at least some of that I think she's talking about like the fact that it's autofiction and that it's Stephen Daedalus's not even hidden that it's James Joyce. It's not like some scholar discovered that. Um, <laughs> it's pretty obviously James Joyce. But yeah, it's like in nuts and bolts, just like moment by moment, um, there are too many like writerly, authorly mm. um, interruptions or whatever. It's like I said, going back to the beginning of the conversation, it, it does become intimidating. All the uh, mm. the immense amount of information just pouring out of his head oh yeah he has read some you know uh it was like 16th century weirdo heretic so so we're a different species that wasn't created by god he talks about that yeah yeah the sweat yeah there's so much what was um was do uh, do you think this indifference going back to the inhuman part of his his, uh, I don't know if it's his philosophy or his just experience and how he views the world, you know? Was it natural or do you think it was it was a labor, like, to figure this out? I think it was kind of both. I think it was something uh, instinctual for him that he also picked out and kind of developed and kind of... Like, in other words, did he go, oh, it would be easier to just be Catholic and like my mother or live with my mother and so forth. But I'm going to resist that urge. Or was it like I have – I mean he talks about he has to. You know, he has no choice but to leave and so yeah, forth. Yeah, it's like a calling. Yeah. It's a calling, yeah. 
But I wonder how hard it was. I wonder how, you know, because if, okay, I think it's both too. I just wonder what the, what the ratio would be. You know, because for some people, it's very difficult to be confrontational, for example. Whereas with me, it's very natural. Um, you know, so it's like if I, if I state my opinion or I'm cur- courageous in doing that or whatever, you know, at a meeting or whatever context, it, it, people can, can be impressed by that who aren't naturally like that. Where I'm like, that's very natural, you know. So I just wonder the uh, the ratio for him. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I don't know. If I it has to be both, though. It perfect. has to be. It has yeah. to be because it would have been so much yeah. easier to go with the flow, you know. Um, mm-hmm. but 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 anyway. Um. Okay. Um. Is there anything else in that first? No, not after you explained (laughs) that it was supposed to be boring. I don't don't want to get into it. (laughs) The specific. I don't know that it's supposed to be boring. It's just a lot. It did stand out to me that it Um, made. The reason I don't read Saint Thomas Aquinas, Saint Thomas Aquinas, uh, is boring and is not illuminatory for me. Illuminatory. Well, I will say this: whoever's reading this uh, chapter, to give you some some uh encouragement or something um it did make sense to me at the end of it you know because i said to myself when he started talking to lynch i said i gotta yeah. hang in here i just gotta hang in here and just finish this section uh <laughs> oh and, uh, yeah i don't think it's i don't think it's like i mean it's logical like he says uh about the catholic church logical and coherent right um, right doesn't mean you have to believe in it <laughs> okay um oh can we by the way before i forget let's get to Amelia right after this but the ambivalence you just reminded me of about his opinion towards the Catholic Church, he brings it up with uh, Cranley, mm. which I think we should go to before we talk about Amelia, um, okay. because it fits. Yeah, where he, yeah, I mean, there's there's even that moment, so he his mom wants him to do Easter communion right. and confession and stuff, uh, but he's like, he, he's not even able to do it just as like a form to make his mother happy, partially because... He's still a little bit. There's that fairy dust still resting on all those things. He's not just a simple non-believer. Um, um, I'm not sure of it. Uh, yeah, there's just this like I'm looking for where he's. Wait, I might have gone too far. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he talks about how he he's basically ambivalent about whether he believes or not in the uh, even in the Eucharist, which was interesting. I understand this was when he was younger, but I definitely expected it to be more black and white, if that uh, makes sense. And that is why. And is that why you and I communicate, Cram? I was exactly where I should have said, Cram. Yeah, because you are not sure of that too, because you feel that the host too may be the body and blood of the son of God and not a wafer of bread because you fear that it may be. Yes. Stephen said quietly, I fear that. And I, I feel that. And I also fear that. Yeah. Which is, I, I really appreciate that about it because it's, it's just like, it's not simple. You know, it's so simple for a lot of atheists and a lot of people who weren't raised, I guess, in the church. Um, and yeah, he's taking it seriously, and he's saying basically. And he later on, I wish we could. Yeah, I hope, hopefully, hopefully we can find this where he's like, you know, I, I can't repent, even if I should repent, you know. So, yeah, it's so much a part yeah. of him, which which we've discussed before that. Willing um, to make a 
that will cost him eternity. Oh, here we go. I, I do fear to be alone or to be spurned for another or to leave whatever I have to... I do not fear, sorry, to be alone or to be spurned for another. And I am not afraid to make a mistake, even a great mistake, a lifelong mistake, and perhaps as long as eternity too. And, um, you know, even his his reasoning and his, his information about what he does is... In, is, is, is um, I don't want to say informed, that's repeating myself, but is informed by the church and his understanding of things. Mm-hmm. In other words, he's saying, you're right. telling me I should take this seriously, right? So I do take it seriously, and I don't agree with it. Or I'm ambivalent, yeah. or I don't believe in it, or whatever. So therefore, that leads me to my conclusion about what I should do, you know? He still thinks it's sacrilege for a non-believer to uh, take the Eucharist. Right, and there was always like an an edge of superstition to Joyce. Even I, I, I don't want to say religion and super. I'm just saying to Joyce, there was always an edge of superstition. He was, I mean, he says in, somewhere in here that he's afraid of thunderstorms, and that is biographical. Joyce was like a child when I came to. He was like a four year old when I. Came I hate to those people. No there offense, were, if that's you. There were stories of like Samuel Beckett being like, "What the <laughs> fuck, dude? It's just a thunderstorm." <laughs> And Joyce is like, oh, it's, you know, the first sides of the gods, according to the Greek. <laughs> he was like, uh, you know, that, that's the, the, the most striking, most powerful power in all the heavens is lightning. And it's like, dude, you're like 50. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There comes a time when I think you should move on. I mean, if you're really, yeah. I... Like viscerally afraid of, of lightning. <laughs> Um, interesting. Yeah, he, that was an interesting part where he talks about what he's afraid of yeah. and then what he's not afraid of. Um, the road at night, things like that. So, let's go back to Amelia. We can't forget her. Yeah. The obsession, the obsession about... He sees her talking. Is Amelia the right way to say it? Is it Ileana or is it... How do you say her name? Is it Emma? Um, he spells it Eileen, I think. And then I think if you look it up on Google and so forth, it's Emma. So maybe it's different names for the same person. But uh, yeah, I think that might be nicknames. Um, I I I, I think Nectar it's poem. I think it's page seventy or so in my book. If you go back to when they he he's obsessed with her the whole book uh, is is the interesting yeah. thing. And it's the first person he wrote a poem I get to. I a little bit. Yeah, it's yeah. the it's the first person he wrote a poem to. Eileen is the name in 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 the the chapter I'm in where he's he's on the tram with her, if you recall. Yeah. And he he actually remembers. Steps up and steps down. And yeah, he, exactly. Like and he remembers that it's chapter one, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Where yeah, he's on the tra- I think it's chapter one where he's on the tram with her. And um, thinking about her, and he, he he sits down later to write a poem about her, and he struggles and with his first like, poem. For school, where he like uh, writes the Jesuit things at the top and the bottom of the right. page. And also, yeah, this by is now he's kind of moved on. Well, okay, he kind of moved on, but he has the same he has the same relationship with her that he did when he was younger. Well, I, I just meant I just meant uh, as far as his poem, his poetry. No, no, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, he's a good writer at this point. Is that what you mean, or do you mean he doesn't write poetry? Yeah. Well, just just that he's 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 a more individual. I mean, he's not writing literally the 
the Jesuit thing yeah, yeah, at yeah. the top of his page. Well, he was like yeah. five, or I don't, you know, he said, so anyway, I wanted to quote him back. I wanted to quote him back in chapter one because it's the same relationship with her basically as in chapter five. He says, I could hold her and kiss her, but he didn't either. And that's basically what it is. Isn't that hypothetical? That's the definite, that's the summary of their whole, whole story. Um, yeah. There are a couple things in, 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 in the writing of the poem that I have underlined. Um, like when he, he's talking about like, uh, uh, and he, and yet he felt that, however, he might revile and mock her image. His anger was also a form of homage. Of homage. Um, the end of that paragraph, where he says, "To him, she would unveil her soul's shy nakedness." To one, blah blah blah. Okay, and then, but then, uh, Stephen Daedalus, to him, a priest of the eternal imagination, transmuting the daily bread of existence into the radiant body of everlasting life. Speaking of sacrilege in the in the, the Eucharist, um, yeah, that's very much the image of, of that, that, that Joyce has for, for his own art. Is it's almost Eucharistic way of um, sanctifying or crystallizing. Let's just say sanctifying, um, making sacerdotal what is just daily the daily shit of life in. You know, in, in Ulysses, there's a lot of chapters about Leopold Bloom walking around and buying stuff for dinner or, like, finding a book or going in, yeah, just, just, just like, seeing people at the hospital and stuff. Um, so, yeah, there is there is something, there's an epic scope to it, of course, epic resonance for Ulysses. Um, yeah. Okay, but bring it down for a landing. What do you mean, though? The day to day. I'm just say, saying that, yeah, I mean, especially given, given you know, it's resonant with what we were talking about with the host a minute ago. Um, but yeah, as, as, as an extension of, of, of Stephen's views on art and James Joyce's views on art, of, you know, um, <laughs> using like the daily life and um, Eucharistically making that into the the sacred material of your holy art. Um, yes. Yeah. That would explain the journal. Even even when he's being, you know, uh, yeah, like, like we keep saying, he's, he's super Catholic, even when he's not being, he's explicitly leaving the church and stuff. Okay. And his, his, his idea of his own art, his own atheist art is hella Catholic. Mm. Um. Do you mean, so by Eucharist, do you mean sublimating the normal life to great art? Is that what Yeah, I, I mean, like, like he, 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 he makes the image explicit there when, you know, the priest waves his hands over the bread and it becomes, it's consubstantiated or transubstantiated, I forget which one's with. Um, later, he's obsessed with this That's what he's doing. He's obsessed with his girl, yeah. and in his journal, he says, uh, "I don't, I don't know if you remember this." On the eleventh of April, he says, "Read what I wrote. Yeah. Read what I wrote last night. Vague words for a vague emotion. Would she like it?" Meaning Eileen, I suppose. Yeah. I think so. Then I should have yeah, to like exactly. it also. Yeah. <laughs> Even like spare random things he's writing in his journal, he's uh, comparing to, or he's, he's judging. In relation to how he thinks 
I have to. Really, obviously, like doesn't know that well. Yeah, I I have to ask you: is this uh, is this his eventual wife or no? Do you know that from uh, your reading? Uh, uh, this is somebody else. This is just yeah. Okay, so this must have been his first crush, no, no, basically. No, 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 no. This definitely isn't Nora because okay. he met Nora on July sixteenth or June sixteenth, nineteen oh four. Okay. Right, and this is his he first childhood the day crush. Of, uh, Ulysses. And then he meets her, so on April 15th when he's journaling, he met, met her today on Point Blank and Grafton Street, and he has this experience with her, okay, where she, yeah, she seems normal. Like she seems like a very nice person, you know. It's, it's yeah. weird, but he can't bring himself to, I guess, confess his love, or he's, like, so taken aback by his feelings, he doesn't understand them. And uh, Very, like, living in hypotheticals. He ends up being mean to her. You know, I felt sorry and mean. And, and frankly, his view of her is, or is like he retreats into this very Catho, very Catholic view of her. I have some lines underlined that were like, and this is related to him being me, um, where he's talking about like an innocence which she too had not understood while she was innocent or before. The strange humiliation of her nature had come upon her. And then later he says, mm-hmm. humbled and saddened by the dark shame of womanhood. <laughs> like, the most Catholic thing I've ever heard. Um, and yeah, it's related to, uh, yeah, that, that misogyny is related to um, rudeness, <laughs> outbursts of rudeness. Well, yeah, she's trying to ask him condescension to her. Like when she when he does run into her, she's asking him about his poetry, which you know, yeah, is what it's she nice knows enough, about yeah. him. Yeah, and he like plays weird Elizabethan music for her and talks and talks about poetry or writes poetry. It's like, what else is she supposed to talk about? Yeah, have you been I, working I, on any I, more weird Elizabethan songs to play at my house? <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> well, if anything, I mean, I, I don't know. I. I feel bad for both of them. I I I feel like she doesn't know what's going on at all. But my God, I I don't. Know. It's yeah. it's interesting. We could just be all in his. It's head. very it's very relatable to the reader. I think for um. But but it's it's such a it's such a disparity between his actions with the prostitutes and his confidence in sinning. And this, you know, I would have expected if you were if I were to anticipate Madonna horror complex. You can't. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good point. He talks about Madonna. He talks about um, Mary with his mother. And he talks about his mother. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, but if I were to anticipate the chapter, I would have anticipated that he was very forward with her. You know, that's not what yeah. happened. Yeah, he, he grew at all when it came to that. Well, I can relate to that, but uh, mm. anyway, so we have five minutes. What else should we say here? <laughs> uh, I guess the. I mean, now that we're on the journal, the, another thing I had underlined was when he's leaving. Um, and yeah, I mean, Joyce has, has enough self awareness to include this, but like he's he's leaving into exile, mm. and his mom is packing his valise. <laughs> Mother is putting my new secondhand clothes in order um, to go run away in pretend exile. Um, yeah, that's that's. I, uh, I think difficult. I had mentioned that before about their relationship. I didn't remember if that was in the book or not, but yeah, it is. <laughs> it's fine to me. 
I think that the mother and Cranley had a good argument. Like, they had the closest argument for someone like Joyce. Cranley was basically saying, you know, a lot of people think like you, even though they pretend to go along with the dogma and so forth. So, like, you have an option yeah. here of making your mother happy and, and having, you know. Yeah. And the mother is basically saying, you read too much, which I think there's some truth in that, in a way. You'll be back. <laughs> yeah, you'll be back. Um, you'll be back. But yeah, so both those arguments don't prevail, you know. Ultimately, I I think I think yeah, uh, there's, there's, at the end of that that paragraph, there's also um, I go to encounter for the millionth time the reality of experience and to forge in the smithy of my soul the uncreated conscience of my race. Mm-hmm. Um, the smithy which, of my soul. I mean, even as he's leaving Ireland, he's still thinking of the uncreated conscience of my race. Um, He's still, it's still his, his art, artistic creation and in relation to his Irish forebearers and Irish contemporaries. Yeah. It's not just leaving. It's not just, fuck all those people, I'm gone. Yeah. Which you should have been. Well, okay. God, I forgot. Oh, I was going to talk about the fact that the imagery, you were saying the theme that you come away with the chapter. My imagery of the chapter, if I were to remember it, I think would be mm. the scene where he's seeing all the birds at the library. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good thing to bring up because that'll come back and you'll listen to the augury. Okay. Yeah, because I yeah. think of him as flying away. I think of, um, you know, I guess that's what yeah, I mean. There are a lot of people who have interrogated birds with augury and with, yeah, having some kind of... There's a portent uh, of the future there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, I think of a ship. I don't think he uses this imagery, but I think of a ship kind of flowing away, flooding away from the uh, away and away as he says on all Away and away. Um, for me, the image, the lasting image, is his mom packing his bag. True for him. His mom <laughs> seems so nice. Resident. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, like I said, he, he was always kind of trying to uh, talk to her. He was always trying to like sway her. Maybe not even sway her, but yeah, he was always she was always a vessel. He would try to understand his own ideas through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if she was kind of simple and not terribly deeply learned. Yeah, I think this book is worth reading. I think it's very difficult. I think it's above me for sure. I need to reread it. Um, it was the language is fun. It's very careful, but but fun. Um, yeah, it's 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 but a no lot. The fifth chapter is a mishmash of a lot of stuff, and I think you know. Yeah, it spans a while. Yeah, and it's uh, just it's it flows very quickly the too. The you know. Yeah, and it's it could almost be its own play, I think, because of all the interaction with the schoolboys, where it's like I I just felt like that was supposed to be rollicking and interesting and kind of like um, just full of character and and the conversation. I I liked it a lot, but it, it was a lot to take in. I think um, at one time, yeah, um, yeah, especially all the different people, you know, with different points of view and stuff and uh, personalities and. It, it, the, 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 yeah, the meeting. It's not like a, there's no character. I mean, Eileen is kind of there throughout the whole book, but yeah. Other than even there's no one who really carries out. Through, I mean, even his mother doesn't come up. You know, repeatedly, his dad is there once in a while. But yeah, 